Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. And my name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, I have a question for you, Jeff. Yeah. How was your Halloween? Ooh, it was uh, extra spooky, <laughs> I hope. I hope. Yeah, the joke is that we're recording this uh, shortly before Halloween. So right, we, yeah. We don't know yet. Hopefully, listeners, your Halloween was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that mine was wonderful as well. <laughs> but uh, I don't yeah. know if I mentioned it last week, but I, I got that day off off work. So Nice. Oh, cool. uh, so by the time this comes out, hopefully I will have had a nice relaxing day at home, maybe carving some pumpkins, watching some scary movies and playing some god of war well playing some god of war. okay i was gonna get to that a little later but yeah <laughs> so uh um getting into the thanksgiving season because this is uh november uh-huh. now um <laughs> i'm thankful for the game god of war oh yeah 2018 yeah. for playstation 4 this game is amazing <laughs> like I, I i went in almost completely blind i played all, i've played basically all of the god of war games before i haven't played god of war ascension but i've i've hundred percent at all of the other ones mm-hmm. and they were i was never crazy about them sure yeah i i hundred percented like five of the games in the series but uh they were never great they basically just made me want to play devil may cry sure i just, yeah. I just felt like they were kind of watered down devil may cry in, in almost every regard shots fired shots fired i know but but i had heard only that this game was really good i didn't know anything about it mm-hmm. except that it is really good in fact for the longest time i thought it was a reboot i didn't realize it was a sequel but anyway, um, I got it a few weeks ago. I started playing it, and it is amazing. Uh-huh. Like, I think it might be my favorite game of all time. I'll wait and see when I haven't beaten it yet. <laughs> I'll make sure the ending doesn't like take a huge dump on itself or something. Right. But it is it is so good. The gameplay is so good. Whereas I felt like the gameplay in all the previous ones was very lackluster. It was basically just mash a button, hit all the enemies on the screen until they're dead, and then go on and do a quick time event. Right, yeah. And whereas this one is very obviously Dark Souls inspired. It's not not exactly Dark Souls. It's not exactly Dark Souls, but it is. you can very much tell the DNA that, you know, came over from Dark Souls. But it's not just the, the gameplay. The gameplay is amazing. Mm-hmm. But like... If you had told me 10 years ago there was going to be a God of War game that made me genuinely care about the characters and <laughs> their their growth and their journey, I would have told you, no, you are lying. Get out of my house. <laughs> it's 2018. It's 2008. Uh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Exactly. So Who let you into this house? I was trying to think of a 2008 music reference, but I'm not, uh, <laughs> not doing a... Uh, hey, hey, man, go listen to some Gangnam Style and get out of here. Was Gangnam Style out in 2008? Ooh, good question. I don't I know. Don't know. Doesn't matter. No. I uh, it, no, I don't think it was. I'll say I invented it in 2008. So get out of my house and go <laughs> listen to this new hit single that I made. I'm going to go promote it in uh, Korea. Anyway, so God of War, it's just, it's so good. I'm not really going to say much else, just that it is mm. so much fun. The story is so good. The gameplay is so good. I don't want to stop playing. In fact, I was kind of up until 8.30 in the morning last night playing it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, he's got, he's got bags under his eyes. It's I crazy. do, I do. Um, and he's got, he's, got a re- he's got a full beard now, too, just like, <laughs> just like, just Kratos. like Kratos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got a son that follows me around everywhere now. No, that's your dog. You just call oh, him boy now. I do. I do. I should. <laughs> I really should. <laughs> just start calling him boy. <laughs> so anyway, I'm back on. So enough about God of War. <laughs> other than I'll just say everybody, if you have a PS4 or access to a PS4, play it. And if you don't have access to a PS4, watch a playthrough of it. It is so good. Mm. Anyway, um, on the topic of tabletop gaming. We so a few weeks, several weeks ago, we had uh, Paolo Kiros from the Film Reroll yeah. podcast on our show. Mm-hmm. Um, they just released an episode a few at this recording. It was a few days ago, so by now it was it was a little longer than that. But um, every Halloween, so two years ago when they had first started, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, two years ago they did the movie Halloween yeah. as a as a game in GURPS, and it of course went fairly differently from the movie than the following year. So last year they did a sequel to their version of Halloween. Mm-hmm. So it was not Halloween two. It was their own. Sure. Sequel. Uh, this year they, I guess they didn't, they weren't sure if they were going to have enough time to get everybody together to record like another Halloween movie. But instead what they did was freaking amazing. I will sing the praises of this forever. <laughs> so Paolo, they, I guess they recorded this a while ago. So like they, 
they didn't know that 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 he didn't tell them that they were going to be recording the movie that they were recording. He's having them. He told them that they're going to be playing an obscure '80s movie called Summer Spell. Is what he called it. He told them that it is a uh, a coming of age teen romance comedy. Okay. And he, uh, he, you know, he told them, "Don't look it up. I want you to go in as fresh as possible." Mm-hmm. He made them all character sheets, and he even like made made like love mechanics hmm. for this game. Okay. To uh, so like the players have like stats determining how much they like each other and certain actions will either increase or decrease love. Supposedly there's even like sex mechanics, but they didn't that the only time that it might've happened. One of the characters was unable to perform. So it didn't, oh no. didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so uh, only the, it's, I guess it was one session. They split into two episodes. Only the first episode is out so far. So it, nothing really crazy has happened. It's just kind of been like a fun teen romp and the characters, the players are getting really into their characters. However, the movie that they are actually playing through is Friday the 13th Part 4. Oh. Which is actually my favorite Friday the 13th okay. movie. So, I mean, there's a disclaimer right at the beginning of the episode. I'm not spoiling anything by telling you this. Mm-hmm. But at the time, the players did not realize that they were playing through Friday the 13th. <laughs> and I guess the idea was that if he told them they were playing through Friday the 13th, then they wouldn't take their characters seriously. They wouldn't, like, try to establish their characters. Sure. Because they just think, oh, we're all going to die anyway. Yeah. So instead, he got he told them, he lied to them about what movie this was. And, you know, he he didn't he didn't lie about any of the content of the movie. He mentioned that one of the player's characters was uh, played by Crispin Glover. And one of the NPCs was played by uh, a young um, Corey Feldman. And you uh-huh. know, all the characters have, have the names they had in the movie. And he made all sorts of references from the movie. But nobody... Nobody has caught on yet. At right. Least at the, by the end of the first episode, again, it still it hasn't. Jason hasn't shown up yet. I guess okay. is what I'm getting at. But uh, it's just, oh my goodness, it's so much fun to listen to because it's like, ah, oh, what I want, I want to listen to the other half right now. <laughs> Hopefully, by the time that this episode comes out, their episode will be out and I can listen to it. But at the moment, I'm like, ah, <laughs> biting on my fingers because I'm, I'm, right. I, wa- I want to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> it's <right>. so good. <laughs> anyway, so if you have not checked out the film reroll, it is so much fun. Go check it out right now. Listen to at least the first half of Friday the 13th or Summer Spell, whatever the heck <laughs> Summer Spell is. That's pretty good. Yeah. So any, anyway, um, I guess that's that's all I got to uh, to talk about at the moment. You okay. got anything else? Uh, no. Okay. Let's, uh... Let's go ahead and get into this episode. Yeah. So, uh, so Jeff, mm-hmm. you are, you're, you're, you're laying on your couch. Okay. Your stomach is extending out about three or four feet. <laughs> Because you have been, you, you've got chocolate melted all over your face. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got an entire Twix stuck to your hand. <laughs> uh, you were holding it and you picked up the remote and you didn't feel like putting it. Just, it just melted on your hand. It's just stuck there. It's just there. Like, uh, and you, so, you're. There's a pile of like golden wrappers. Yes, yes. You've got, you've got so many calories going through your veins right now, but, but you see that there's still so much. So much candy left. Oh man! And uh, you, you reach over and you try to, you try to grab another, mm. another thing, but before you can, you you reach over, you reach over for this this bag of candy, and as you do, somebody slaps your hand. Oh, hey! And uh, you look over, and you see, it is an individual that is about thirty feet tall. <laughs> With red scales. Who keeps letting these into my house? <laughs> However, this this individual is wearing a uh, like a, a sweatband around his head. Uh, uh-huh. He's wearing shorts. Uh-huh. He's wearing a t-shirt that does not come nearly low enough. Okay. And they've got a heart rate monitor thing on their smartphone on their arm. And they're you the, you feel the ground shaking. You felt that a moment ago. You thought it was an earthquake or maybe my you stomach. Were having, it was my stomach rumbling. I thought I, oh, I was going to say maybe you're having a heart attack. You're not sure. Oh, no. So the, the ground, <laughs> the ground is shaking a little bit and you realize it's because this 30 foot tall red dragon is, is like jogging in place. <laughs> and, and then you look at the calendar and you see that it's like, I don't know, uh, November. It's, it's November 1st. I'll say it's November 1st. Yeah. You realize that this was the day that you were supposed to start that exercise regime Oh, and no. uh, this this thirty foot tall individual he, it's, it's my personal trainer. Your personal trainer oh, sort of no. taps you on the shoulder and says, uh, "You better get up because we're running to the dragon's horde." 
but that's like four miles away. Ugh. Oh, can't we just start tomorrow? In case it was not obvious, I had no clue where I was going with that. Uh, <laughs> I I got there about halfway through. It was well that that uh, that intro was a workout. It it was a mental workout. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, our item today uh, was submitted by Avon Shill via email, mm. and the item is called the Mantle of Hanami. I think that's how that'd be pronounced. Hanami. Hanami. Mm. Like Konami, except it's spelled very different. <laughs> um. We've actually had this had this on our list for a while. But we've we've had a we've had a, a good amount of, of submissions lately. So I, um, so I, I've been trying to like cycle through. Been them. trying to cycle through, yeah. Because we got we got this along with uh, um, the Sakura Blade, I think it was called, yeah. several weeks ago. So I wanted to, to put some time between those two. Anyway, uh, this this magic item, it's a wondrous item. It is rare. It requires attunement. This is an article of nobility, usually presented by Lord Kioraku himself. It immediately distinguishes anybody wearing it in the region of Hanami. This refined overcoat appears to have been weaved together from falling sakura petals themselves. Ooh. So cherry blossom petals. Pretty. Created by the most talented seamstresses and enchanted by the most powerful of magic weavers, this overcoat is not all it seems. Hmm. This mantle has two charges. You gain a plus two bonus to AC and saving throws while you wear this mantle. And uh, the man the mantle has two abilities. I believe each one takes uh, one charge. Uh, I don't know if it says when the charges come back. Let's say the charges come back every uh, dawn or something. Mm. Anyway, so the first ability is called Sakura Shroud. You can use one charge as an action to cast out your mantle, which bursts into a flurry of Sakura petals swirling around the wearer to a radius of 10 feet. So you whip off your coat, you swing it around you, and it just, boom, turns into a big old, you're, it's like you're in a, a, a snow a snow globe. Sure. There's, there's little <laughs> petals floating around everywhere. Every creature within the radius suffers disadvantage on all attack rolls against the wearer. Hmm. And the duration is one minute. So you whip off your coat, it explodes into these petals, and everyone goes to attack you, but, oops, you're not there, you're over here. Right. You know. Uh, so that one's pretty cool. Again, that uh, takes up one charge. Then the second ability is Sakura Edge. You can use one charge as an action to cast the Cloud of Daggers spell, in which the mantle bursts into a swarm of tiny pink blades. Ooh. You can also move the swarm of blades as an action up to 20 feet in any direction, but may not uh, it may not go more than 30 feet from your character. This is a uh, concentration-based ability like the spell. This ability follows all rules of the listed spell with the exception of the movement of the blades, just with the added flavor of the spell taking the form of Sakura Petal Blades. Neat. So yeah, again, you you whip off your jacket, you toss it into the air, it turns into these little blades, except these, sorry, it turns into these petals, except these ones have blades on them. Right. So they come down, they start slicing everybody up. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's what it does. Like I said, it doesn't say in the description here, but I, I'll say that uh, you get those two charges back every dawn. Cool. Yeah. So like, yeah, and that uh, you basically use a casting of uh, cloud of daggers, and then uh, what is it? Uh, is it obscure or, or is it? Uh, it's not. It doesn't seem to be based off a specific spell, but basically but they get this. They get disadvantage. Ad, everybody gets disadvantage okay. within ten. 10 cool. Feet. Awesome. That's yeah. pretty cool. It's really cool. I do really like the theming. I also like how it's not just like a cloak. It's an overcoat, mm. and you know, I think it's an important distinction. I think that that a lot of. Uh, a lot of players might, you know, imagine their characters wearing something a little bit more modern than than like a cloak. Right. So yeah. an overcoat, you know, you could think of like Dante from Devil May Cry or something like that sure. with an office coat and turning into a, you know, big cloud of daggers that slices right. everybody up. Or like a sweet trench coat from like from like the Matrix or something. Yeah. But it's yeah. made out of the the pink petals. Yeah. Yeah. Like sewn together with like the golden silk of like silkworms or something i don't know <laughs> sure sure get all fancy about yeah it. no no i think it's pretty cool um yeah the abilities are pretty good the you know pretty the the first one's pretty good uh defensively it makes everybody have disadvantage yep second one cloud of daggers is a pretty good spell i mean it's it's like an area damage it's a fairly small area but it's good for like area denial uh-huh so if there's like a little uh bottleneck in the the battlefield put that there and then nobody can get through without taking damage you know um Little side thing, uh, the th of the the adventure I had yesterday, um, mm. 
Skylar was playing a cleric and her friend James was playing a warlock. Okay. There are two spells that they use to get it that they use together that were actually quite effective. Really? Uh, there's a warlock spell called Hunger of Hadar, I think it's Ooh, called. Yes. You create a sphere of darkness uh-huh. that what it, it what it do, what it did is like it, it makes everything within that sphere difficult terrain. Okay. But it's a sphere, so flying things still have it still counts as difficult terrain That's because really it's good. like this void filled with like tentacles and stuff. Yeah. Uh does damage to them at the beginning of the round, and if they end that in that round, they take more damage if they fail a save. Mm-hmm. And then, sh- and then Skylar used a cleric spell. I think it was just called like Spirit Guardians. Oh, okay, yeah, which yeah. Which is I just know another spell. area effect that like uh, it doesn't give difficult terrain, but it just halves everything speed. So those oh, two together, no, and like, and it's anything within the area, and it's a sphere yeah. as well. So like I, I had like I had a bunch of uh, I had a bunch of like specters fighting them, mm-hmm. and I was like I was like oh okay they, these won't affect them, and then I read it I was like no this does affect them this really affects them because like their fifty flying speed is cut in half yeah and then it's considered difficult, difficult terrain, terrain yeah. so they can only move like 10, 15 feet so I was like oh and then they're taking damage in the meantime sure sure yeah that's a that's a pretty good combo right yeah, there so I thought it was just gonna be like uh, Eldritch Blast with uh, concussive ladder, whatever that knocks them back, and mm. then something that uh, deals area damage. But anyway, that's that's even better. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, anyway, so so yeah, this I think this item is pretty cool. Again, like the theming, like the mechanics. You know, not really, uh, not really much else to right. Yeah, say about it. I guess it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, um, I guess uh, so. Um, so that was the mantle of Hanami submitted by Avanshil. Uh, that'll do it for the Dragon's Horde. If anybody wanted to submit Dragon's Horde items to us, or questions for us to discuss, or stories for the funeral pyre, Jeff, how would they do that? They could do that by sending us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. Yep. And before we get to the questions today, as always, we have a giveaway today. Mm-hmm. And before we get to the giveaway, I just want to say, like, we are dangerously low on submissions. Mm-hmm. So seriously, people. Send us an email, and you'll get a free adventure from, from Goblin Stone. Right. It's that easy. It's yep. really, really easy. So anyway, as I said, Goblin Stone is providing this uh, free adventure for us today called Chapel on the Cliffs. It is a uh, low-level adventure for 5th edition characters. And uh, our winner today, Jeff, is... Our winner today is Aaron R. Whoa, 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 winner. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Yes, congratulations, Aaron. You should be getting that in your email pretty soon, so let us know if you don't. And be sure to let Goblinstone know what you think so they can continue to make great products. Cool. All right. And Jeff, if anybody wanted to enter this drawing, how would they do that? They could send us an email at interpartyconflict at gmail.com with the subject line Chapel on the Cliffs. Yes. It's uh, very, very easy, so please send us some emails and enter this drawing so we have somebody to give it to. All right. And uh, I also want to tell everybody to go check out our Patreon. We have uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. If you don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is a an online service where you can pledge to uh, donate some money to us every month. Could be as little as a dollar a month. You know, mm-hmm. that's like nothing. That's like 25 cents an episode. Or if you want to give more $5 a month, $10 a month, $100,000 a month. I don't know. <laughs> we I don't know if anybody's ever noticed. We do have a a goal for $100,000 a month. Right, yeah. Have I ever told you about that, Jeff? I, I saw it. Okay, yeah, okay, it, yeah. Give me a good chuckle, yeah. Yeah, so, hey, <laughs> cool stuff could happen if, if, if we ever reach the $100,000 a month mark. <laughs> but for anybody who can't afford to give us $100,000 a month, a dollar a month, it's like nothing. Right, and it, yeah. it helps out the show. It gets you some cool bonus content. And, you know, it's just, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so we've got, we've got um, bonus episodes for $5 up a month or more. We've got fantasy fiction for everybody. We've got uh, outtakes for everybody. We've got a monthly Roll20 game, mm-hmm. which actually like the day after this is recorded, Jeff yeah. is going to be running the game uh, yeah. that month. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's my first, uh, first dive into a, into running a, an adventure in like, I'll say it's actually my first because anyone before that really doesn't count. I was very young, so sure, sure. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So, so actually, by the time this episode comes out, anybody who was there for the game will, yeah, will know how it went. <laughs> we'll I know guess. how it went, and we'll know why <laughs> Jeff has uh, secluded himself 
for years to come. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm sure you'll do just fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. sure you will have done just fine. Okay. Jeff. Uh, yeah. So, so cool. St- we've got cool rewards on there on our Patreon. So check that out. And hey, if you can't afford or you just, you just don't, uh, just don't donate to, to stuff like that. That's yeah. fine. Just tell a friend or yeah. uh, give us a rating or review on iTunes or whatever. Anything that can help us get to more listeners. Yeah, you know. for sure. Yeah. More. Even you know, even if they're not going to be donated, it's like more viewers means more submissions, which means more content, Absolutely, which means that yeah. we can you know keep doing this because we like it. Yeah. So check out our Patreon. Also, you should. There are two other podcasts you should check out. You should check out Crit Academy at CritAcademy.com. It's a great podcast where they uh, the hosts create new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. They've got player tips every episode. They've got DM tips every episode. Character concepts, encounter concepts magic items, monster variants, and uh, and that's in addition to their main topic, which changes up every week. So mm-hmm. they've got some some great episodes on there. They've been interviewing some content creators from uh, D- from the DMs Guild. You know, great, great stuff. Great podcast. You guys should go and check them out immediately. Also, another great podcast you should check out is D&D Character Lab, where Garen and Dan, they debate whose characters are better. Every week they make interesting characters with backstories and, you know, unique abilities and so on and so on, and then they debate whose character is better and by this point i'm almost positive that <laughs> there will have been a great episode where uh two very handsome hosts from another gaming right. podcast called interparty conflict were on and we won i guess is the important thing oh that's true right yeah <laughs> yeah but hopefully that will have come out by the I, time if, we... if it isn't i'll cut this part sure. out but I, I i'm sure that episode will will be out by this point Woo! so go check them out we were just on their show it was a lot of fun yeah uh yeah so great great two other great podcasts in addition to our great podcast so so check us all out <laughs> leave us all reviews give everybody a five-star review Woo! go do it yes you want to get into this uh in this episode, <laughs> yeah James. let's go all right our first question comes from jolly wolf and this was on reddit what have your players done that made you proud to be a gm yeah so i i have one specific example a very recent example and uh you know, I figure this would probably be a, a quick, short one, but um, as well, there actually, there's a few, there's a couple things. Okay. As as a DM, I've been, you know, you know, something I realized the other day, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I, so I just a few days ago we had our D and D game at the library. Mm-hmm. I do a monthly D and D game at the local library, mainly with the intention of teaching, you know, teaching new players how to play. We don't always get new people. Like we've had, we have a few people that show up, you know, most of the time, but uh, you know, we do we do occasionally get new people, and a few months ago. There was there were these two guys that started coming. They didn't know each other. Like each, I think one of them had played three point five or something like that, and then the other one I don't think had ever played D and D before. I could be wrong. Uh, their names are uh, Julian and Spencer. Mm-hmm. They showed up. They came to a couple of the games. You know, fun guys. They they you know like I actually hung out with them a little bit after one of the games. They were one of them lives right around the corner from the library. So like after the game, Steve and I were there. So like we went and hung out with them for a few minutes before I drove Steve home. Cool. And uh, then they stopped coming to the game. And at first I was a little, you know, I was a little confused because it seemed like they were having a great time. I was wondering why they, why they stopped coming. I hadn't seen them in a couple months. And then I just found out it's because they started their own game. Oh, well, Cool. And like, that's what they didn't know each other. And now the two of them are really good friends. Awesome. They're really good friends and they're playing a game together. And that, that makes me proud to be a DM. It's great to have a great set of players, but if you get a player that then splits off to go start his own thing, I feel like that's, that's one of the biggest honors uh, a DM can get. Right. And you know, that's, that is one of the main goals of you doing the the monthly thing at the library is to get Mm -hmm. more people introduced to D and D. And then that's, Basically, that's a that is a success story right there. It's yeah. like, yeah, they came in and we're like, yeah, this is fun. Let's do this like re- uh, like regularly. That's awesome. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, I do want to, if I could, just for a couple minutes, talk about this this session that we had. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We had so there's Justin, not Crit Academy Justin, but uh, uh, I guess Library Justin is what I call him. <laughs> this, this other friend of ours named Justin. Um, he's an older gentleman that has just you know within the last year or so been doing all these things he never did as a kid and he got into playing D&D so he started playing D&D at the library so mm-hmm. I've you know I've been teaching him how to play and everything um he's one of our patrons and so he he was there he's there at most of the sessions not all of them but most of them our friend Steve was there there's a guy named Chris who's been uh co- he's been coming pretty consistently for the last 3 or 4 months mm-hmm. and it was those three and then we had a girl show up that had never played any sort of role playing game before I think she was in her 20s I could be wrong but, you know, she heard that there was going to be D&D at the library and she thought, 
you know, I've never played it before. I'll right. go see what this is. Yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. And, um, you know, she sounded like she said she'll be coming back next month. So hopefully she had a good time. Yeah. You know, I, I tried my best to accommodate, you know, accommodate her, engage her as much as possible. So, I, you know, I think that's that seems pretty promising. But also, a little while after we started playing, we had been playing for maybe like 20 minutes, a much older gentleman who's probably in his like 60s mm-hmm. showed up. And he pops his head in and he says, you know, oh, is this uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons? And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, come on, come on over, have a seat. And I asked him if he had ever played D&D before. He said no. I asked him if he had ever seen like Lord of the Rings before. He said no. And he said something. He was like, uh, this isn't like a, a cult or anything, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, I had to be like, uh, no, 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 absolutely not. It's a storytelling game. You know, I had him sit right next to me. He, uh, I think he was more interested in just being like a spectator rather than uh, a player. Sure. But, you know, I, I had pre-made characters, so I handed him a character and I, I did like ask him a couple things like, oh, what's your character going to do? And so on. He only, he didn't stay very long. He stayed for maybe like 15 minutes. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, shook his hand. I said, I told him, thank you for coming. I said, we do this every month. So if you want to come back again, you can. You know, I, I hope he does show up again. Right, yeah. Maybe he won't. He probably, he probably won't. But sure. if he does, that would be really cool. I would definitely consider that a uh, a proud to be a, a DM moment because right. it's someone who clearly, like, has has no knowledge of any of this. Right. Probably no context for what this even is. Sure. But he was still willing to come. He was still willing to see. And I think that's really cool. I'm, you know, this is maybe me, me, uh, projecting or, or whatever, but like, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe he was like, he was part of a church group that what, somebody said something about D and D being part of a cult or something. And <laughs> he saw, oh, the local library is going to be doing this. Let me go see if it is a cult or not. Yeah. It's like, or like his son or grandson or something is, is getting oh, into yeah, it. Oh yeah. I didn't and, think of that. And, that that and might so be. He was just get, he was kind of scoping it out. I'll be like. Oh, yeah, it's just a game. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And hopefully I, I gave a good representation of, you know, hey, we're just sitting around. I'm telling a story. They're engaging in the story themselves. Right. Now, of course, Justin has a very particular sense of humor that might have gone kind of contrary to oh, me yeah. trying to express that this is just a normal, innocent <laughs> game. But whatever. Yeah. He's he's having a good time. Yeah. Every, we're, we're all having a good time. So you gotta let Justin be Justin. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, but in this game, because it was it was the the October game, so I, I like to make my October games a little bit uh, spooky if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, we so, so well, this was very much inspired by something we talked about in a, a recent episode. Um, in this game, I had the players. They had been hired to go retri- retrieve some treasure that a dragon had stolen or something like that. They go mm-hmm. into the woods. They see some tracks of, like, some small humanoids, and they hear some creatures talking in Goblin, but they're, like, hiding behind a rock. So the the players know that they're there. Mm. And then the players, like, rush into attack, and then these creatures jump out, except then I described them as kobolds and not goblins. And the players were like, oh, do you mean mean goblins? I was like, oh, no, no, they're, they're kobolds. And then... The fight goes on. The players, you know, the players kill them all pretty easily. As the uh, the the new player, the girl, she was playing a uh, warlock. She shot, she, she a couple times, she shot an attack. She shot her eldritch blast and rolled a natural. She rolled several natural ones. Oh jeez. She was using the dice that somebody donated to the library. So I'm gonna blame whoever <laughs> donated those dice probably as trying to to uh, trying to ruin our game by donating right, yeah, some, trying some to weighted sabotage. dice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so she rolled a natural one, and so I described her Eldritch Blast. She goes to fire an Eldritch Blast, but instead, like, a flower comes out. <laughs> and, you know, maybe her patron is, like, mad at her or something like that. But uh, anyway, she finishes off the final goblin. As she does, I had everybody roll a wisdom saving throw or something like that. And not everybody, I think one one of the players succeeded. Everybody else, the passed out, just, like, fell to the ground. The player that stayed conscious saw... Everything around them, the ground, the sky, the trees, everything turned to, like, bright rainbow colors. Mm -hmm. And suddenly up in the sky was, like, a sinister scarred face looking down, holding out, like, a glove with, like, strings coming from it. Like, they're, like, doing, like, a marionette type thing. Mm -hmm. Next thing they know, everybody wakes up in town. They're back in town, except it's completely empty. There's nobody anywhere. And so uh, the, um, the warlock... She said that she was going to, um, she had, she was, uh, the, 
urchin background, which has the thing that lets you, like, navigate a city really easily. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned, like, because they'd asked if there were any landmarks. I was like, oh, yeah, the town hall, which is, like, where you got the job. Town hall is, like, you can see the like the big the spire on top of town hall you can see it off in the distance mm. and so they went in that direction except somehow they got lost they weren't in front of town hall they were in front of like this tavern there's like a big uh st- statue up on top of the tavern that was very recognizable and so they're like oh well we're still trying to get to town hall so they went in oh there's town hall over there they went in the direction of town hall they get to town hall except it has the statue on top that the tavern had mm. and then they were like you know is there anything weird about our surroundings? And I mentioned that, well, you notice that as you're going through town, you know, okay, there's like, there's the, the jerky shop, there's the cobbler, there's the tailor, there's the jerky shop again, there's the cobbler, there's the tailor. And then it was just like the same businesses repeating over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so they went into the, they decided, okay, we're going to go inside this tavern or town hall or whatever. This, this tavern hall. So they went inside and there's jerky hanging up everywhere. And there's a guy standing behind the counter with like an apron on. He's like facing away from them doing something. They get his attention. He turns around and he's a kobold on stilts holding a shoe in his hand. <laughs> and then they go and interrogate him. And one of the players notices that this kobold is actually a goblin wearing a kobold mask. And then they, I don't know, they attacked him or something like that. They got they got into a fight and then... um. Steve's character was a paladin, so he went to cast Bless on everybody. Yeah. And I wrote down on a little note. I was like, okay, so you're saying you're like magic words to to cast Bless. And as you say it, you recognize the words that you're saying are not what you usually say. And I handed it to him. And on the note. <laughs> what? Sorry, go ahead. On the note were the words, wake up. Oh. And then he like. That like freaked him out a little bit. And he he said that he told me he would like to communicate this to the rest of the party. And so when he did, I told him, okay, you go to say that, but what comes out is, and then I did my patented little goblin speak thing. So what comes that's, out is that's what I was, that was what I was laughing at. I was like, I was like, <laughs> is it gonna be that he's he's speaking in <laughs> right and i mean there were other weird things too but like they attacked this goblin he turned into this weird like basically freddy krueger type individual mm. and while this is going on like everything everything keeps being like flower themed like whenever somebody misses with an attack like uh, they sh- swing a flower or something and say although there was one oh here's another thing i did uh-huh. every time one of the players jokingly said something they were gonna do or said something was there like at one point, Justin, when they this this goblin or kobold or whatever turned into this Freddy Krueger figure, he joked about like, "Oh, is his breath really bad?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, roll a save against uh, against his bad breath." And then, <laughs> uh, you know, he he rolled a save and he 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 rolled like a natural twenty. So I was like, "Okay, you do vomit because of his bad breath, but instead of vomit, your axe flies out of your mouth and hits the guy." <laughs> and there was like uh, when when the 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 older gentleman that showed up and I, I tried to engage with him for a little bit. I asked him, Oh, what do you want to do when they were navigating town? And he was like, Oh, I don't know. I want to hop on a bike and ride around. And so I was like, okay, yeah, you look around. There's a bike, even though this would not fit this setting at all. There's a bike. I was trying to, every time a player like suggested something, even as a joke, right. It was there. Right. And so basically the players were in a dream. They killed the bad guy. He exploded in a big thing of flowers and then when they came to, they were in the clearing where they fought the goblins, except they were like laying in a big thing of flowers that had gotten this pollen all over them. And then mm. they had uh, they had all passed out and uh, had a hallucination from the, the things. Was it the poppies from uh, Wizard of Oz? Yeah, sure. Why not? And then and then <laughs> when they as the, when they had killed the bad guy, the bad guy like grabbed uh, one of the characters and, and like just like grabbed him on the shoulder. And then when they woke up the glove was like sitting on the ground. So it's like, Ooh, was it a dream or was it not? Ooh. So anyway, anyway, I was trying very much to, I was trying to channel Nightmare on Nightmare Elm Street a little bit uh-huh. in the, uh, in this D and D game, but I was using a lot of things we talked about in the dreams episode. Oh yeah. I tried to make, I tried to give details and then change those details subtly. Right. I tried making it so that anytime a character said something that wouldn't normally fit, I made it fit. You know, I tried to incorporate every suggestion the players had into the game as much as possible because it's like, you know, if one of them had said, I want there to be a, a gun 
or something. I would have been like, yep, there's a gun. You don't know what it is, but there's a gun. Yeah. So I was trying to let the players create the environment as much as possible. I tried to, I didn't even know, I didn't know I was going to be doing the whole flowers thing until I jokingly was like, yeah, you shoot an Eldritch Blast and it shoots a flower instead. But then, then a little ways into the game, I realized that half the party were elves and couldn't be put to sleep by magic. And I was like, oh crap, what am I going to do? But then I was like, no, no, no. Poison isn't magic. Elves can still be put to sleep by poison. So oh, I, sure. So then I, I I ran with the whole flower flower motif. Gotcha. Oh, so cool. I tried to have things repeat a lot because, you know, in dreams, sometimes things repeat. Had things turn from one thing to another thing without any reason right. for doing so. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I'm I'm very much sidetracking this uh, this question. <laughs> I was going to mention this earlier, but I forgot to. So anyway, um, I again, what makes me proud of GM <laughs> is when players go off and start their own game yeah that's <laughs> you know that's, an, that's the that's a roundabout way of him saying that yes yes it is <laughs> um, another thing there's another thing that makes me proud when when uh proud to be a gm is when a player a few things there's, there's a few things that like because I've, I've taught a lot of people to play the game mm-hmm. i've played with a lot of new players and there's always like a few different little steps that each one of them makes me like yeah the first one is when the player keeps their own character sheet mm-hmm. because so many times I'll be at a game and the game's about to end and the player just looks at their sheet and says like, Hey, can you hold on to this till next time? And right. Yeah, I can, I can hold on to it until next time. But if you are invested enough to take it home with you, yeah, maybe to look it over, maybe to plan out your character some more, maybe to tweak some stuff because you didn't use this one ability and maybe you want to think about whether you want to keep that ability or not. Right. I would love that. You know, I wouldn't necessarily want, an experienced player to be constantly changing their character sheet. But if a new player is interested enough, is invested enough in their character to try and change things about their character. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. You've got, you've got some leeway. Yeah. Take your sheet, do whatever you want. Another thing is when the player buys their own dice Mm -hmm. or just acquires their own dice. Right. I always have dice. You know, I always have dice for when, if players need them, I'm always happy to let players use my dice, but it's a great moment when a player shows up with their own dice, because yeah. again, that just shows that they are invested in the game and they, they want to be a part of the game. So they are making it so that they don't have to depend on anybody else. Yeah, Having your own dice kind of gives it, you know, gives any role that personal touch. You know, it's yeah. like, this is my dice. I'm doing, this is my attack. I'm doing it. Yeah. So yeah, kind of like it. Yeah. It just gets you more into the game when you, when you have your own dice Yeah. or like several sets, all of different <laughs> right, various right. shades of green. <clears throat> you like, uh, I guess I don't know anybody that, that does that. <laughs> um, and then another thing, following the same the same kind of trajectory here, when a player buys their own player's handbook, mm-hmm. like that, that's like the ultimate. This player is so invested in the game that they are willing to toss down thirty or forty bucks, yeah, just f- to make the game easier for themselves. That is so awesome. Such a great feeling when a player. I think does the that. full price now is like fifty bucks for a book. Jeez. Like it's ridiculous. Now that's not to say you can't find it for cheaper. Like sure, you sure. can you can more than certain I'm more than certain you can find it for for at most like forty bucks. You can find it on sale at or uh, Amazon usually has some sort of discount you can put on there. Mm-hmm. But but the know, MSRP yeah, I yeah, believe it's forty nine forty nine ninety nine. Yeah. So uh yeah, so a- anything that shows that the player is invested enough in the game to actually care about the game when they're not at the game table. Yeah. That is just awesome. That is such a great feeling. It makes me feel like, you know, I've done done something good and I've made an impact and, you know, it's going to be great. So, yeah, to, to summarize, when a player starts their own game, yeah, that's awesome. And then when or just when they keep their character sheet, when they buy their own dice or they buy their own book. Yeah. Any of those things make me just feel awesome. Yeah. All right, our next question comes from Foxhound999. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, am I reading that upside down? It's 666. It's oh, the no. Sign of the d- no, it's fine. That's just Foxhound. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, this was on Reddit. How much say should my players have over the campaign? Yeah, so I think um, the they gave a few examples uh, with this question, and the examples were like in their campaign – they sat down with their character with their players before the campaign started and they essentially had like the players make the villain like design the villain and then hmm. design like what the villain's goals were what their uh you know character like personality traits and so on and so on and then i think they were sort of regretting that decision and so they were asking like you know should players have control over the villain should players control have control over the 
the the world map and yeah. that sort of stuff. As primarily a player, Jeff, what uh, what is your how how much input would you like to have on the, on the campaign? Um, I wouldn't necessarily really want a lot of of say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the less important stuff or like the stuff that's not like too specific to the plot, yeah, or the adventure itself. Like some of the, like the background features mm-hmm. in fifth edition usually have like, oh, you uh, you're you're part of a guild or something, yeah. or you're. Uh, or you're famous in this town or, you know, you get help from these types of people or that sort of thing. So, like, maybe when you use your background features, the DM will be like, okay, you you, you find somebody who, you know, who you knew through this thing and they're, they're willing to help you in this little thing. And you're like, okay. And then you can give the player, uh, you know, the option to describe that person and how they know them. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if you know... Maybe they have like a secret handshake or something. You <laughs> sure, know, sure. Just l- little details like that that'll help them get more involved and more invested in the story without having too much control over what the story you know is as a whole. Yeah. So like little personal touches there with, with you know giving giving players the option to add those personal touches. Um, I forget what it was. I feel like it was something that you mentioned. I. I it was something. It was something. I feel like we talked about a long time ago, where there was some adventure where, like, the the DM would tell the players that, like, okay, you come across a door. Mm-hmm. What and there's engravings on the door. What are they? And then, like, the players yeah. would describe the door. And it's like this is just a door. There's really not, like, it's not going to have that big of a consequence of what's on the door. Mm-hmm. But if the player puts some thought into it and like makes it it's like, Oh, there's a, there's a picture of a, of a dragon and he's, uh, you know, he's got a, uh, uh, he's got like a, you know, a broken wing or something like that. Like mm-hmm. he has some, he puts some detail into it. And then further down the line, you might say like, Oh, okay. You guys stumble upon the skeleton of a dragon that has a broken, that looks like it has a broken wing or something yeah. like that. So you can like bring those, bring those details out later on in the adventure because you know it's stuff that the players you know came up with, but then you can kind of use that as a little you know something to bring out every once in a while. Yeah, there's I mean there's there is not a right or wrong answer to this. Mm-hmm. It, every you know every group is going to be different, and I think that there's there's probably even like entire RPGs where it is based around the players entirely, like crafting the the villain and so on. Yeah, I think that D and D might not be perfectly suited for that but i mean it could it could work i personally i say uh kind of like what you were saying i think that the the broad strokes of the campaign like the 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 plot and the motivations and like the the main events and everything should be should be determined by the dm i I think Mm -hmm. i think pretty pretty exclusively but as far as details go i think the players should be allowed to introduce Whatever details they want. If a player wants to introduce an NPC, mm-hmm. double thumbs up for me. If the player wants to describe an art fresco on the wall, cool. You know, mm. maybe, again, depending on the campaign, maybe you should uh, filter all of it through the, D- you know, filter it all through the DM. So, like, yeah. if the player says, I, I, I want there to be an NPC that is associated with this organization that I just created, you know, I made up this organization. Can you integrate it into the world? Mm-hmm. Then the DM can look at what they had planned and then say, okay, it could fit here. And this is how they, you know, they involve themselves in the adventure and so on. Or maybe if the player says like, I think that I would like it if there was a, a an adventure that had to do with, you know, a, a cult that worships dragons or something like that. Mm. Then the DM could say, okay, well, how can I use that? If there was a cult that worships dragons, they would probably be here. They'd probably be doing this. And then they could build an adventure around it. I am all for, I think the, one of the best things that players can do is give their DM plot hooks to use. Right. Yeah. So I definitely recommend that as far as whether the thing is, if you say like how much say should the players have, that almost feels like the players become the authority on whether something happens or not. And I, I think that, Again, as like if this is D and D that we're talking about, I think that it should largely be the DM that has the final say, yeah, and the DM that determines really how everything is going to fit together. But if 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 I here's here's what I'll say: 
the DM should give the players opportunities. I think that's probably what we're... I don't remember what episode that was, but I definitely remember talking about that. Yeah. The DM should give the players opportunities to add to the world. Yeah. The DM okay. should say, hey, you see an NPC coming down the road. Who is it? Mm. The DM should say, this door is decorated with carvings. What are the carvings? If players are offering those unsolicited, depending on the group, that could be okay. But I, I think generally speaking, most players won't. Um, whether they should or not, yeah, I don't know. But I doubt many players will do that, you know, on their own. Yeah. Um, Unless you know they're playing an adventure where they're having, we're in their, they're in a dream world or well, something. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna ride this bike. Like, oh, sure, yeah, there's a bike. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in my head, I'm picturing it as like a a penny farthing. Anyway, so so I think. I think that you should you should let the players have as much say over your campaign. I'm, I'm speaking like to the DM here. You should let the players have as much say over the campaign as as you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know, as as much as you think you can you can integrate. The more ideas you can get from the players, the better. Try to think of it as you're getting ideas from the players and not like handing the reins to the right to the players. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Maybe like. Sort of think of it as a like suggestions box sort of situation, yeah, and not a yeah. and not a like okay, what do we do next? You yeah, know? like don't let them take control of the of the of the campaign or the adventure, but mm-hmm. let them have a say in that they make suggestions or come up with ideas that maybe they you know will let you know about you know before or after the adventure. Yeah, because like I feel like if especially if we're talking like plot details, I feel like the plot would be inherently less interesting to me if I did have a hand in creating it. Mm. Um just anything that I make, I find that I I like less than something that I didn't make just or I'm I'm less interested in it because I already know it. You yeah. know what I mean? That being said, I think that if if you did at the beginning of the campaign sit down with the players and say, okay, what is the main thrust of the campaign going to be? Because here's an idea I had I, that I had for a campaign a long time ago. I mentioned there's a um, a webcomic called Earthworld. I think I oh, might, yeah. I either, either mentioned it last week or the week before, mm-hmm. and I mentioned it many times before. But it's it's a really cool, really cool world that is created in this in this uh, webcomic. And in it, there there was an idea that I had from reading it many many years ago, like when the camp when when the the webcomic was first starting. In this webcomic, in the world that this this thing takes place in, there's these like four really powerful artifacts, and I won't really get into them. But I was I was looking at them, and like people had been discussing how they each sort of had sort of felt like an element, kind of like one of them was kind of like air, one of them was kind of like uh, earth, one mm. whatever. I mean, it's I don't think I don't actually think that that is entirely accurate. But it got me thinking: what if there was going to be a campaign where the campaign was going to be about these, this group of incredibly powerful artifacts. Let's say there's there's four players in the group. Let's say this is a group where we switch. I, I think at the time I was thinking we would like switch up DMs between sessions or something. Mm-hmm. And because uh, you know I'm thinking back like when I was playing with Chris, dang, a long time ago, we would you know we would we were all DMs, we were all players, yeah. so we would we would throw bounce ideas off each other and so on. And so in my mind I was thinking you start a campaign. And you say, okay, this campaign is going to be about these, there's four of us, four really powerful, like, epic level artifacts. Yeah. And before we start, I want each of us to come up with what one of these artifacts is going to be. And then maybe have some third party make sure that nobody, no two people get made the same thing or something. But Sure, yeah. But basically, each, each DM and slash each player comes up with one of, like, the four main MacGuffins for the campaign and then they are like established early on in the campaign maybe like players hear a legend about them or something and then anytime someone wants to they can pick up the the plot line as long as it is in service of of involving one of those artifacts maybe there's an adventure that someone wants to run where a bad guy has one of the artifacts or there's an adventure where the players go in search of one of the artifacts but it's a it's a wild goose chase and they end up you know, not finding it or something. Right, or it's like a fake or something. Sure, or there's one where the players find one, but then it becomes too powerful and they can't control it, so they have to, like, hide it away somewhere or something. I think that if it were just one DM coming up with these four powerful artifacts and then introducing them into the game, that would be one thing. But if the pl- the players as a whole know what these things can do, 
that's going to make the game so much more compelling. Sure. Yeah. Now that's a specific example, but I think that that's an example that is an example of how it could work. Mm. So if you do something that in interests and involves all of the players at the most basic level, and then the, the players are the players in the DM are free to do whatever they want with it as the campaign goes on. Mm-hmm. I think that could be really cool. Yeah. You know, some to try out. Maybe if you're trying to figure out what you want to do for the next campaign, sit your players down and say, hey, let's let's work out what this next campaign is going to be about. And then if it is just one DM, which it probably will be, then they can filter everything through their own sensibilities and everything and take the stuff they came up with with the players, maybe turn some of the things on their head or do some things that sort of play with the player's expectations of what's going to happen. Yeah. Like if if they establish, okay, there's going to be a villain that does this, introduce that villain, but have him be a good guy. And then maybe there's a point in the campaign where something happens and he becomes evil or something. You know, hmm. I kind of had an issue with this when, when I first ran my first campaign ever, I was, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. And, and I, not that this is a bad thing, but I was talking with my, our friend Jay, who was going to be a player in this campaign and I basically told him all of the ideas I had for the campaign, you know, because I needed somebody to talk to. I was like, hey, how does this sound? But then when we got to actually playing it, he started using all of that knowledge to his advantage. Sure. And it made things really difficult for me. Now, that was largely because I was a terrible DM. But, you know, it, don't do it unless you're unless you feel comfortable doing it, because players might might use it in a way you weren't expecting. And it might kind of throw everything off a little bit. Yeah. So, but I, I definitely think that you should try to give your players as much say as you feel comfortable and see what they do with it. Yeah. They'll, I guarantee you they'll do some stuff that will surprise you. Cool. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for our regular questions for today. Now we're going to talk about our social media discussion questions. Mm-hmm. Last week was our Halloween episode. So uh, I didn't really plan this out super well. But anyway, the question that we had was, you have to play through an RPG based on the horror movie of your choice. What movie do you choose and why? Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't think of one, although I, I was reading some of the submissions some people had, and there, there was a couple that I was like, oh, yeah, of course. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Totally right. So sure. we'll get to those when, the, when those come up. But sure. what did you and say? And then uh, I think my example was, uh, was Saw, because yeah. I, I think that you could make a really good character-driven, exploration-based, puzzle-based, trap-based, yeah. you know, adventure. Yeah, traps and puzzles and, yeah, like character development and stuff like that. That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. So we only got a, a few responses on each uh, each platform, so I think we'll probably go through all of them on air. Uh, but the first one from Scott N. on Facebook, one of the Saw movies. Who doesn't like deadly puzzles? Right. So, hey, <laughs> thumbs up for me. Uh, the next one, Jonathan S. said The Thing, which oh. I think is a great, great example. Yeah, because well, The Thing, it's like they're it's possessing their bodies and stuff well, have like you, that. Have you seen The Thing? I vague, vaguely know about it, okay. but it's like that it's it is like... They've taken over their bodies, or they made like duplicates of it, or uh, something. Yeah, so it's um, it is a a, like a um, there's a, a research team in Antarctica. They encounter some sort of a creature that can like replicate, yeah, or it can like infect and then become people. So right. like the whole movie is you don't know who's a thing and who's a person, right? So. And even by the end of the movie, like you still don't of the survivors, you don't know. Yeah, you who, can't be who sure is, who's a person who isn't maybe. Everybody is now a thing. Does it matter? Who knows? Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he said, uh, the thing, I really enjoy the paranoia of not knowing who to trust until it comes to a painful death for you. Mm. So yeah, I think that's that's a great, great answer. Yeah. Uh, Dan W. says, oh, The Mist. It could be a survival horror game where you have to fortify the convenience store, <laughs> rally the people in there, and then do runs to the surrounding areas to gather resources to make your final escape all whilst being set upon by a myriad of extra-dimensional creatures. Right. Oh, what a, yeah. Very good. That's, yeah. what, that's that Stephen King one, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, jeez. And oh my goodness, that. Yeah, I, remember, I think we. Yeah, I remember watching it at your at your place years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I won't spoil anything. That's one of those movies where the ending, your jaw is gonna drop, and you're just gonna sit there with like your hand on the side of your face, like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's very just like it like. Yeah, you, you kind of forget about all the details of the movie except for that ending, and you're just, yeah. you're just like, huh, yeah. all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so those are all of them uh, on uh, Facebook. On Twitter, Collins B says, using the Grimtooth's Traps collection, I've run a Saw-themed one-shot, which was about what you'd expect, but I'd love to play an alien campaign as a player. Oh, cool. Yeah, so like a you know horror game. Yeah. That's a... Uh, 
obviously horror that's the thing um yeah like a like it's yeah like a scary monster that like you basically can't deal with in normal circumstances Mm -hmm. that's good yeah um and if you are interested in an alien rpg let me direct you to the film re-roll they did alien oh cool and and i i keep singing the praises of of paolo on the show because he didn't know who was going to be actually infected by the alien at the beginning of the movie. Like it, it wasn't guaranteed to go like it was in the movie. Right. He came up with different types of xenomorphs depending on who gets infected. Oh, neat. Because in the first movie, there's like somebody makes a comment about how the alien is like the quote unquote child of the guy that infected. Uh huh. And so what Paolo took from that is that it had some traits of the host. And so depending on who got infected, the resulting alien would have slightly different abilities. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, go check that out. Uh, I am Carlos on Twitter says not a horror, but one of the movies that scared me the most was the road with Viggo Mortensen. The book was even more graphic, but a survival based RPG where avoidance of conflict is as scary as entering it. Mm. So I've never seen the road, Mm -mm. but uh, yeah, sounds interesting. If you know, if the whole point is like avoiding conflict and stuff, I think that's that's something that uh, some, some D and D players could, could use some lessons. Man. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, on Reddit, Wolf in a Suit said, Jason, I think he means Friday the 13th, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll give him that one. Yeah. You try to complete tasks to help escape from camp, and the GM rolls a percentile die every so often to see if Jason finds you, and you must now escape before he gets you. Jason's the only enemy, but you can't defeat him. Maybe even set a time limit. If you don't escape from camp in one hour, there's no escape, and you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> and for that, I will direct you to the Friday the 13th game video game which yeah, is very yeah. very good and it is exactly that yeah there's also uh, uh dead well that one is specifically uh friday the 13th but yeah. there's dead by daylight is another sure, good one sure but that, and, that one uses more like they're 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 not exactly the characters but there mm-hmm. is a very much like all oh, this this character is very much like jason or this character is very much like you know well freddy. there i think there are some that are like there is michael myers yeah, I think I think Freddy Freddy yeah. is in it. I, I could be wrong. Anyway, some of them are licensed for that game, but yeah. then other ones are just generic. Yeah, kind of like this. Uh, I've heard good things about Dead by Day- Dead by Daylight, but the reason that I play Friday the Thirteenth is because I love the camp. Yeah, I love the things that Friday the Thirteenth does, and so for me, Friday the Thirteenth is is much more what I'm. Yeah, there's a lot for. more. Yeah, there's a lot more. Uh details and like care into the into the into yeah the, and like like player teamwork and communication and stuff from what i understand you can't communicate with each other in dead by daylight you can it's uh but it's like uh i mean like you can always just use i, I out, guess outside voice I guess, yeah. voice stuff but there is like in there is yeah, like in-game voice but it's like uh you have to be near them to hear them and stuff like that oh okay i mean i guess that's what it is in friday 13th anyway anyway um Zero Zero Jiminy Cricket says, I'm not a huge horror movie person, so this isn't a classic horror option, but I do an adventure along the lines of the Reavers from Firefly. Oh, neat. Great suggestion yeah. uh, with that as well. There is, I'm sure there is a, there's a couple Firefly RPGs, isn't there? Yeah, there's at least two. Yeah. Yeah, there was one based on the show, one based on the movie, I think. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, anyway, uh, then over on Discord, Mason says Cabin in the Woods for a variety of enemies. That's the one I was like, oh, of double course. Double thumbs up, double right. thumbs up. That That's... is so good. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so seeped in like in like, you know, pop culture and stuff mm-hmm. like that, that it's like that, like that plays so well into games like D&D. Yeah. Um, then, uh, Adam B says, I would love to play through any of the Hannibal Lecter movies purely for the tension and the chance to outthink Hannibal. Yeah. That, that, that one I liked too. I just like, yeah, like that I was like, yeah, that's, I wouldn't really consider that a horror movie. It's a, it's a thriller, but like that, yeah. that works really well. Like, yeah. like that, you know, there, there are horror themes in it for sure. Like it is not a, so yeah, it's not really a feel good movie. It's, you know, it's a. I like I was scared of it when I was younger. Sure. Like I sure. you know, I like I got I got creeped out by it when I was a little kid. So Yeah. You know, I wasn't supposed to be watching it. The very first time I saw The Little Mermaid, I got scared by it. Yeah. When I was a little kid. I was like the shark scene's pretty scary. I guess. I think it was Ursula scared me or something. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I got I was I was scared by the the weirdest stuff. Um anyway, oh that sketchy says House of a Thousand Corpses for all the gnarly twists. You think it's over? Nope. There's still 999 corpses. <laughs> I added that last part. I've actually never seen House of a Thousand Corpses. Not me neither. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's Rob Zombie. I'm sure it's probably oh sure. I've I've heard it's his like his best one of like the horror movies that he mm. did around that time. Um, Avin Schill says, "How about thirteen ghosts with multiple encounters and yeah. multiple types of monsters with someone in the background trying to complete a ritual of sorts?" That is a great suggestion. That that movie is like so. I want to say so video gamey, but it's not yeah. even. It, it doesn't have to be a video game. It's so gamey in yeah. like the best way possible. I remember when I saw it when I was younger, I really liked it because mm-hmm. because it was very much like, like, oh, I could definitely see this in a game or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sure that that exact thought didn't come into my mind, but I was like, that's the coolest movie ever, you know, but <laughs> right. really. And then you go and look at like the Rotten Tomatoes score on it. And you're sure, just like, oh, sure. oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I guess no. it's not that good of a movie. <laughs> Right. So so saith the internet. Yeah, no, but I, I thought it was a good movie. And that uh, I think that would be that would make a great role playing game, honestly. Yeah. And then uh, finally, Preston Penguin R says, "Evil Dead." I think there may already be one. I love the series, and I find it so bleak. It would be a great setting for serious tension and possible scares if a tabletop RPG can actually be scary, which mm. we did talk about last week. But that episode is was not out when all of these right. questions went up. So, um. I know that there was an Army of Darkness role-playing game. Hmm. I used to have a PDF of it. I don't know if there was ever one made that was explicitly Evil Dead. Hmm. Army of Darkness being the like fan- basically the fantasy movie in the series. Right. Is that, um, was that the third movie? It's the third movie. The character of Ash goes back in time to medieval yeah, times yeah. and has to <laughs> fight off a bunch of zombies. Anyway. Yeah. Um I mean, yeah, Evil Dead I think if, if there if there is an RPG, um I'm sure it's great and now I want to play it. <laughs> but uh, but if there isn't one, I'm sure there could be one that could be uh, could be a lot of fun. Yeah. So great answers all around. Great, nice Halloween themed answers. Now right. that it is not yet Halloween for us recording. I've you know, these have put, all put me in the Halloween mood. So, uh, yeah. So our our question for this week. Whose bike is in my driveway? That's that's not actually a question. I was trying to come up with a question today. We went to go get a pizza, one of those uh, Detroit style pizzas. Oh yeah, yeah. The corner. We're pulling on the driveway, and I, one of my wife's friends, like chained up her bike in the driveway. Uh huh. Like two weeks ago, and hasn't come back to get it yet. And so I was asking my, I I was trying to come up with what the social media discussion question was going to be, and I was like, whose bike is in the driveway? (laughs) Anyway, oh, that's a good one. That's that's a good one. Yeah, whose bike is in the no. Um, the question is. Do you ever use poisons or diseases in your game? Mm. Now, we talked, we did have an episode a long time ago about uh, how to make diseases and curses interesting. Right. But, uh, you know, we haven't really talked much about poisons. We we could talk more about diseases, I guess. So let us know, have you ever, u- do you ever use poisons or diseases in your game? Yeah. If so, how often, like what kind of an impact have they had? I just right. feel like in the games that I've played, they're only ever a thing for like you encounter something that has a poison or disease and then once the encounter's over you deal with it and then it, it's 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 never much of an issue. Yeah. Or it could be like like really bad for the players like okay. it's if they get hit with a monster, you know, hit by a monster that has some sort of poison effect or something and it just ends up doing like way more damage cuz that's just extra dice rolls that you have to sure, deal with. Sure, sure. So I like I feel like, you know, there there are some types of creatures that have like poison effects or lingering poison sort of effects that can really be bad for players and mm-hmm. and they might not have the means to deal with it immediately yeah um but you might just have a pallet in your group and they're like oh five points of my yeah see that's lay on hands and i feel gone. like that is always the case you've either got a paladin or a cleric and then it was a non-issue yeah so so it's yeah could i don't know maybe uh like maybe maybe have like poison effects be less obvious or something maybe maybe but i mean it's unless you are rolling the dice on the save if a player gets attacked by the enemy and then they you tell them oh make a constitution save and then they roll like a three or something someone is going to remember that by the time the the encounter is over right and they're going to try to deal with it yeah i I don't know maybe i'm I'm not saying they can't be good yeah but in my opinion in my experience they're never a huge a huge deal yeah you know what i mean so anyway let us know listeners um do you use them and and how much do they impact the game sure uh all right well that'll finish out our questions for today so before we end the episode i think that we should uh just let's relax let's sit back let's uh take a deep breath with all this candy in the room so like you're getting all the sugar in through your lungs 
<sighs> chocolatey. <laughs> Delicious. And let's toss another log onto the funeral pyre. Our funeral pyre story for this week was submitted by Reddit user Dongface. I imagine they uh, they like bells. So yeah, oh sure, sure, ding sure. dong, ding dong. Right, face. right. Yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> so uh, this Reddit user says, "Newly minted magic user slept up a tree to avoid dangerous flightless birds. Didn't strap myself in and fell in my sleep. One d six damage versus one d four hit points." Oh. So I'm guessing this is probably probably an earlier edition of the game. Right. Third edition at the latest, but uh, uh. This is, they said magic user. I'm guessing uh, probably first or second edition. Yeah. If, yeah. You were, were, was like a yeah, 1d4 hit point yeah. total. Or Jeez. Ah, I remember I had, like for a second edition character, I had three hit points. It wasn't a, he, like he was like a ranger. Yeah. I just rolled really bad for the hit points. But that's, I, you know, nowadays it's like you always get maximum on your first level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever since third edition, that's been yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, jeez. Uh, so I think uh, Jeff, let's let's raise a glass in memory of the magic user who should have invested in Constitution. Clink, because more hit points. Yeah, you know. All right. Well, that'll do it for today. So to submit questions for us to discuss, items for the Dragon's Horde, or stories for the Funeral Pyre, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, links to media mentioned on the show, and running lists of questions and magic items, go to interpartyconflict.com. Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash interpartyconflict, on Twitter at inpartyconflict, or our Discord for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show. Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you'd like to support the show, check out the rewards at patreon.com slash interpartyconflict. There's a few different tiers, so anything you can spare, even a dollar a month, would go towards making the show better, and you'll get bonus content for it. Jeff, you want to tell us about FriendQuest? Come find us on YouTube. Uh, we are FriendQuest. We play video games. Uh, mm-hmm. Please subscribe. We also have a Twitch uh, account now. It's uh, twitch.tv slash friendqueststream, all one word. Um, should still be able to view our uh, last uh, stream that was up there where we played Red Dead Redemption 2. Cool. But I'll also be putting that on the YouTube soon. So yeah, check yeah. us out. And then... Uh, Maybe 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 we should have gay gay play God of War on there. Ooh. Show everybody how awesome it is. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. All right. <laughs> All right. And uh, I have a little side project that I've been working on called the Arcade Memories Podcast. You can find that on, on uh, iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you have any childhood memories of going to the arcade, send those to me in an email. Either record it by yourself or send me the text at arcadememoriespodcast at gmail.com. And head over to bit.ly slash interpartyconflict to take a short survey about our show. What you like, what you don't like, etc. And just for taking it, you'll get two free printable board games, courtesy of Mary and Tom over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless to Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time. Well, Gabe, I hope you're proud of yourself. I am. Thank you. Okay.